you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 15 this morning, Mark chapter 15. We're just about finished with the book of Mark, and we've been in it for about a year, I guess, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. I'm glad I don't have to guess what I'm preaching every Sunday, and i tell you what I'm going to do, though. Uh, the Lord impressed me to do this yesterday. I did not finish my session on the retreat on how to breathe new life into your relationship. Now, this is for singles. This is for uh, anyone that has any kind of relationship with anybody else. I want you to be here tonight uh, as I go through the book of Proverbs on how to breathe new life into your relationship. I'm going to finish what I started at 11 o'clock. We had a wonderful retreat. I think I was, I was in the best men's session I've ever been in my life. Brother uh, Keith Allison from Demarest, Georgia taught on how to be a man of God. And man, it was tremendous. It just touched my heart. Brother George Pinion preached on Aquila and Priscilla on Friday night, but I'll tell you what it got on. I appreciate all of you that came to encourage me, but also to get your encouragement, and um, I'm really excited about it. Matter of fact, all our couples won a door prize, but none of them were there Saturday morning, so I got them all. Amen. It was a blessing. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, I tried to say, hey, listen, they got real reasons. They're not supposed to, they're not here, and I have them, and they wouldn't give them to us. They said, you must be in attendance to receive it, so I said, okay. Be that hard-hearted, I don't care. But anyway, um, but they all won. Every, every, every person, every, every couple won a door prize. Amen? And uh, so praise the Lord. Uh, even the guest preacher uh, got a door prize. So they were short on people, but heavy on prizes. Amen? But anyway, it was a great time. And uh, what I'm going to do for the next few Sunday nights is, is help your marriage, and help your family, and help your relationships, and help you singles uh, get married real soon. And it's just going to be a blessing. Amen. So I want you to come tonight at 6 o'clock expecting a blessing. I'm not, I'm not a slave to these series. I can break them anytime I want to if the Holy Spirit lets me. Amen. And I usually preach Sunday night where I left off on Sunday morning. But uh, I really feel impressed to do this. And that's because I probably need this lesson more than anyone. 153 times in the book of wisdom, God refers to lips, mouth, or words. It must be pretty important what we say, how we say it, and how we listen. Amen. So we're going to learn some wisdom tonight. You be here with bells. And listen, if your husband don't want to come, make him come. Amen. Come on, wives. All you got to do is say, I ain't cooking for five weeks. Amen. And he'll say, well, what's new? No, not really. But anyway, Mark chapter 15. <laughs> Let's stand on the honor word of God, verses 1 through 15. And straightway in the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. I want you to think about this just a minute. They bound Jesus, the creator of all, God Almighty. They bound him for you. Now look at this. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered and said to him, Thou sayest it, not to offend a thing. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had many insurrections with him 
and who had committed murder in the insurrection. Otherwise, he was a rebel for the Jewish cause. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said again to them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him whom uh, ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, Why, what evil has he done? And they cried out more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content, contend the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for being rejected that we never shall be rejected, that we're accepted in the Beloved because you took our sin debt for us. You took that humiliation. You took that pain. You took not only the physical suffering and the uh, the emotional suffering of your own people not being with you. But God, you took spiritual suffering on that cross. and You took our hell for us. And God, we're indebted to you. God, it's our reasonable service that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. Now, Lord, please bless this message. And God, be with the junior church and be with the preschool church and everything that's going on, on, this, on this, uh, in this campus. But God, most of all, I pray that you just... Bless each heart here to listen to the Word of God as the Word of God. And we'll praise you and thank you for speaking to our hearts and thus changing our hearts for your glory. Amen. The passage brings us one step closer to the death of Christ on the cross of Calvary. He's been arrested by the enemy. He's been tried by the religious authorities as we uh, preached on last week. An unjust trial... They had to get false witnesses. They even had the trial in the middle of the morning, like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Everything about it was illegal. But God allowed it because he knew that Jesus had to die in your place. So he was found guilty that you could be found saved. He was found captive so you could go free. He was found forsaken so you'd never be forsaken. Can somebody get a little excited about your salvation say amen and by the way I think the Sunday school lesson was on listening thank the Lord we're going to test this right now about 45 minutes but anyway they were false witnesses they were erroneous accusations leveled at our Lord our precious lamb our precious savior and so the religious authorities knew they had to get some legitimacy and there's nothing legitimate about it and so they brought him really early in the morning to Pilate I'll talk to you a little bit about how wicked Pilate was and historians tell us that he committed suicide. I guess he felt guilty about delivering an innocent man to the crucifixion. But our text reveals something more, more important than who Pilate was and who these Jews were. It tells us about our heart. You know, the text proves that man in his natural state is totally deprived. Sinners capable of an intense hatred and evil towards holy things. If you're not careful, your heart will reveal who you are, lost person, and you're a sinner. 
And folks, you sin. And I tell you what, if it wasn't for the grace of God, we'd all be that state. We'd be lost, dying, and going to hell. But Jesus delivered us from not only our sin, but our self. In our self, we cannot please God. In our self, we cannot uh, 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 be anything but the enemy of God. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 7, please. In a way of introduction, Romans chapter 8, verse 7. The Bible says this. And I tell you what, we ought to get out of chapter 7 and get in chapter 8, but the introductions of 8 tells us exactly who we are. Romans 8, 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So, th so, then, they, so, so, so then they that are in the flesh can not please God. Folks, I want to tell you something. If you look in the mirror of God's Word, you'll see yourself as a sinner that needs to be saved by the grace of God. Amen. If you look in God's word, you'll see that you're a sinner or you're a saved sinner, saved by the grace of God. And folks, if you look in the mirror of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll find out you fall very short. Here he is standing before Pilate. He just went through a humiliating trial, and then to beat it all, they had to kill some time. They started spitting on him, and they started hitting him. And they put a sack over his head and they said, if you're Christ, tell me who hit you. And one day at the judgment seat of Christ and the great right throne of judgment, he'll tell them. He'll tell them exactly who hit him. But I want to tell you something, friend. You can't hide from the fact that you need Jesus. You can't hide from the fact that without Christ and his cross and his blood, there is no other way to heaven except Jesus. Uh, there was once an um, uh, African chief happened to visit a missionary station True story, hanging outside the missionary hut on the tree in this station was a little mirror, a little mirror. And the chief happened to look into the mirror, saw his reflection, complete with the terrifying paint and threatening features that he put on his face. And uh, he was terrified at that picture or that person. And he glazed into it with frightening, uh, in his own frightening countenance and started, uh, stared, started back in horror and explained, who is that horrible person inside that tree? And the missionary said, it's not in the tree. The glass is reflecting your face. The African would not believe that until he held the mirror in his hand. And he said, I must have that glass. I, must, I, I want to buy that glass. And the missionary didn't want to sell it but to call, so he wouldn't cause trouble and maybe a, a whole tribal rebellion. He sold the mirror at a very low price to the chief. He named the price and he took the mirror and he said, I will never, and he, and, and he said, um, he took it and he stomped it in the ground. He threw it down and broke it in many pieces said, I'll never have to look at that face again. And I want to tell you something, folks. The religions today want to dash the mirror of Jesus' perfection in the ground. They want to take the mirror of God's word and say it's not relevant. And sinners don't want to hear the word of God. Say amen. Folks, sin will keep you away from the book or the book will keep you away from sin. Say amen. And folks, we don't want to look in the mirror, but folks, we need to look in the mirror and see who we really are. And we're saved by the grace of God and we could be a pilot if it wasn't for, for, um, for God's grace. I want you to see, first of all, number one, the king is rejected by the priest. So straightway the morning the chief priest held a a consultation, the elders and scribes and the whole council bound Jesus, carried him away and delivered him into Pilate. The chief priest and the Sanhedrin, uh, that's the, that was the, um, 
supreme court of the Jewish system, the law, the scribes and Pharisees, they blaspheme and accused Jesus of blaspheming and condemned him to death. They beat him, they mistreated him. But they wanted to have a sense of legitimacy. And so they thought they had to go to civil government, they had to go to politics to get their actions approved. And during this trial, Jesus, the Jews asked Jesus' question uh, over and over again, Who are you? And Jesus answered, Indeed, I am the Son of God. But these religious leaders, uh, they didn't like it because they had a good thing going. Number one, they were getting rich off the people. Number two, they were powerful over the people. Pride gets in there. And they believed their religion was right, and uh, the Jews rejected Jesus because religion has no room for Jesus. Folks, listen, don't get religion. Get a relationship with God that makes you religious. Amen? You can join every church in Dalton, Georgia, and go straight to hell. You can join every cult that thinks they're right. The fact is, no religious system has room for Jesus. Religion is all about works. Works. Always based on external works. But biblical Christianity is based on faith. See, there's two different words. Religion is always doing. But our religion, our relationship is based on done. It's done. It's finished. And that's an eternal difference. Folks, I'll just say this. You can go straight to hell doing good. You can go straight to hell doing sacraments. You can go straight to hell by going up here to JWs and knocking on doors every day. Working your way. You can go up here to, all the way across uh, uh, from uh, Walmart and go join the Mormons and try to work your way to heaven. Yeah. And become gods. They believe you become gods. They're God makers. But I want to tell you something, friend. None of that will get you to heaven. The gospel is the very clear and straightforward and it's summed up in this verse. Look at Romans 4.25. Romans 4.25. I'll try to be brief this morning. It ain't worked in 46 years of preaching, but I'll try. Amen. Romans chapter 4. Thank you uh, for amen in that. Uh, uh, Romans 4.25. The Bible says this. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. He was delivered to the cross for your sin. But praise God, up from the grave he arose. Because look at the next verse. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Didn't say the peace of God, that comes later. The peace with God means you're guilty, there's no way to get uh, uh, pardoned, but Jesus took your guilt for you. Jesus took your sin debt for you. Jesus paid it all. Can somebody say amen? Things like giving and praying and good works and baptism. Never have figured out the church of Christ. Church attendance. All these things. Uh, none of them has the power to save you. They might be good things. There might be some things you ought to do after you get saved. But religion has the power to make people respectable and decent in the eyes of man. But not in the eyes of God. Pilate was judging our Lord. And folks, only biblical redemption has the power to make people holy. Seeking, God's man, seeking God man's way always results in damnation to hell. 
You don't come your way, you come God's way. Folks, listen, the main thing I want to ask you this morning, are you saved? Have you come by the way of the cross? Choir, praise God. Then I want you to see, second of all, the king is rejected by Pilate. I did a little research on Pilate. He was a very interesting character in our history. Look at chapter 2, verse 2. Pilate, Mark 15, you with me? Praise God, stay in that book, amen. It says, and Pilate asked him, art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered and said to him, Thou sayest it. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Religion can't keep their mouth shut either. Praise God, look at that. They're, they're hollering from the back of the court. And Pilate asked him, asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things thou, they witness against thee. And so Pilate did not have the Old Testament prophecy. Pilate was not following Jesus in his life. And little is known about Pilate, but I believe that Jesus was giving him an opportunity to be saved right there. Jesus was reaching out to the very person that was sending him to the cross. I'll prove it in just a minute. And he didn't accept him. He didn't believe the truth. And Pilate was a Roman politician. God help our politicians. Some of y'all want to be politicians. God help you. That's wonderful. We need Christian politicians. But I'll tell you something. Politicians have a reputation uh, sometimes they're confident and heavy handed like Pilate was he was a governor of Palestine from 26 to 36 AD 10 years the Jewish historian Josias Pilate was a responsible for much of the turmoil that marked uh, his career as a governor of this Palestine uh, on one occasion, he permitted the soldiers to enter Jerusalem with flags bearing the image of Caesar right in their face. And this insulted the Jews and nearly led to a bloody rebellion. On another occasion, he took their money, it's called Korban treasure of the temple, and paid for an aqueduct system, and that almost called a total rejection, a total uh, insurrection. Luke chapter 13, verse 1, Pilate killed some G Galileans as they offered their sacrifice. That's what the Bible says in Luke 13, 1. Pilate lost his position when he ordered his cavalry to attack some Samaritans who gathered at Mount uh, Gerizim and part of the religious quest. Pilate was a man who was motivated by the lust of power, and the love of money, and the lust of the eyes. And folks, uh, historians tell us that after being disposed as governor, Pilate was exiled to northern Europe. And tradition says that he committed suicide. He was petty. He was self-centered. The man that was judging Jesus and low-rating Jesus and, and sending him to the cross and eventually was nothing more than a self-seeking politician that wanted to do whatever the crowd wanted. And I'll prove that. Let's look at Pilate's encounter with Jesus. Number, verse 3, we see absolute silence. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. I love Isaiah chapter 53, don't y'all? I love this book because 743 years before the fact, Isaiah's telling us all about how Jesus would act at the trial, being drugged to the cross, in Isaiah 53 and verse um, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. 
We have turned everyone in his own ways, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We all got to get on that first all. We're all sinners. But then look at verse 7. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. And he opened not his mouth. He could have called 10,000 angels. The truth of the matter is he's already proved he didn't need no angels. He said his title, I am. And over 600 men fell flat on their back. He's powerful. He's God. Don't you shake your little fist at God. Don't you try to try to outsmart God or question God or put God on trial for who he is. You're the one on trial, and I'm the one on trial. Is there enough, convi- is there enough evidence to convict us that we're real Christians this morning? And folks, the Bible says he was brought to the lamb as a slaughter, as a sheep before the shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. That's 712 years before the fact. Isaiah said he'll just stand there. He won't say a word. I appreciate the Lord doing that for me. As the Sunday school lesson said this morning, sometimes it's, there's a proper time just to keep your mouth shut. Amen. That's good. That's good theology. When to keep your mouth shut. Amen. Sometimes it's best to listen. But I want to say this, friend. Our Lord didn't need to defend himself. He is God. And then I see. Uh, also in verse 4 and 5, he attempts uh, to get Jesus, uh, Pilate attempts to get the Jews to defend, or Jesus to, de- to af- defend himself. Herod was convinced that Christ was innocent. He sent him to Herod, another politician. And the soldiers mocked him there, and, and Jesus refused to answer Herod. And so Herod sent Jesus back to Pilate, said, I can't handle him, and I find no fault in him. You go ahead and judge him, Luke chapter 23. John tells us that Pilate then took Jesus into the palace and questioned him privately. And, and, and the Bible describes what he said in John 18. I wish you'd, I mean Luke chapter 18, John 18, excuse me. John 18, I want you to look at this real quick and I'll, and I'll move on. John 18, verse 33 through 37. I'm glad I don't have to be loud to keep y'all awake. I'm glad y'all are interested in the Word of God. I don't have to jump pews or have fireworks up here. The Word of God's enough. I like to be enthusiastic while I preach, but folks, I tell you what, this breaks my heart. This breaks my heart. John chapter 18, verse 37. The Bible says this, Pilate therefore said to him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I, into, I came into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Look at verse 38. Pilate said to him, What is truth? What is truth? When he had said this, he went out again to the, to the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Let me just testify, I don't either. He's the perfect Lamb of God. He's a sweet Savior, but praise God, He's a sovereign God. He knows everything. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows if you're thinking about checking out of here and and you've got got the mill on your mind. He knows why you're here. Praise God. I was so excited that some of the couples showed up at the um, uh, 
the um, retreat, and I, I mean, I really believe that Tuesday God spoke to some hearts. I really do. And I was thrilled by that. You ought to get thrilled when God speaks to your heart. Amen. When God shows you your sin. When God shows you your selfishness. When God shows you your rebellion. You ought to get excited when God speaks to your heart and there's Holy Ghost conviction and you're in trouble if you're not under conviction when the Word of God is preached. Amen. Or as a dear lady shares it after being her leg being amputated and feels like she's lost everything and has to resign the rest of her life to a wheelchair because the other ankle won't support her. And she's tired of having surgery. She just wants to be a mama. That ought to touch your heart. That's the grace of God saying, carry on. That's the grace of God saying, I might have to roll on, but I'm going to just carry on. Oh, folks, thank God when the Lord speaks to your heart. Thank God when you receive the truth as from the Word of God. After, and then John tells us that Pilate then took Jesus into the palace and questioned him privately, and it's recorded in John 18 as I read. And after examining Jesus, uh, uh, Pilate sees the accusations of the Jews for what they are. Mark 15, verse 10, he says, I know what, the, I know what this is all about. Look at verse 10, and I'll close. He said, and he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. See, Pilate was a politician, but he knew, he knew something. He had a little sense, say amen. He said, you Jews are putting him on trial because you are jealous. You're putting him on trial because your religion is your relic and your religion is your riches and your religion is your life and, and you're your own God and you, you're the one that wants the attention and you're the one that wants preeminence. He knew it. He said, it's because of your envy. Pilate said, said, I find no fault in him. And then Pilate said flippantly, after getting under conviction about this, because Jesus witnessed him to him. He is the witness. He is the light. He is the truth. He is the conviction. I tell you what, if he walked in this room right now, we wouldn't all start shouting and, and walking the pews and acting like some circus people. We'd fall on our face and say, oh God, he knows all about me. He knows how I live this week. He knows my thoughts. He knows the intents of my heart. He knows why I'm here. He knows me. And you would fall at his feet and say, Oh God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. As, as Peter did when he saw the Lord. He said, I'm a sinner. And so he ignored the fact that the Jews were lying and just wanted Jesus dead for their own purposes. And he said, What is true? So he's going to try to rationalize taking him to the cross because he had to be politically correct. And Pilate was weak. He was a cowardly man, more concerned about maintaining position and power over the Jewish people. And the typical politician, the typical politician, not all of them, Brother Cody, but the typical one, is more concerned about keeping people happy than keeping God happy. Many came face to face with the truth, but it took courage. I won't close this thought right here, but I'll tell you what, it takes courage to admit you're a sinner. It takes courage to admit you're helpless to save yourself or even live the Christian life. It takes courage to admit you need God. It takes courage to bow before Him and call upon Him as your Savior and then praise God as your Lord. It takes courage to be different. 
It takes courage, thank God, to live for God in a world controlled by the devil. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. This Christianity is not for wimps. This Christianity is for soldiers. And it's for saints. And it's for witnesses. It's even for martyrs to give up your life. I respect those who live for Jesus. And they don't live just to be politically correct. Amen. And by the way, it ain't politically correct unless it's biblically correct. The world's full of pilots. They live by their own rules. They have their own ladders. They have their own cross. They have their own way to, to heaven. But folks, there's only one way. And he was standing there saying, not a word. Not a word. You said it. And they were cowards. They were empty pretenders in the background saying, crucify so the king is rejected by Pilate. He was rejected by the priests. And let me just say in closing, he was rejected by the people. Look at verse 6. Now at the feast he released them one prisoners, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay abound with them that had their insurrection with him and had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitudes crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto him. And Pilate answered him, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy, but the chief priest moved and the people that, were, that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said again unto him, What will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. I want you to notice something. Barabbas was a political prisoner. He was arrested for insurrection and murder. He was a revolutionary. He was trying to overcome the Roman government. He had been caught. Now he was headed to the cross to die of being a rebel. But the people made him a hero. Better be careful who you crown as heroes of your life. Pilate offered the crowd a choice between Jesus and Barabbas. They thought he thought he took a chance here because he didn't really want this on his hands. His wife told him, don't, don't touch him, please. You ought to listen to your wife sometimes. Say amen. Amen, men, men. Say amen. You should listen to your wife once in a while. They got good counsel. You got veto power. I know you're, I know you're a big shot, but I want to tell you something. You ought to listen to your wife. The Jewish leader stirred up the crowd. Peter, Pilate was wrong. He rolled the dice. He says, I'm getting this off my account. In verse 11, he saw that the chief priest and all the Jews saying, hey, listen, we want Barabbas. And let me just sum this thing up saying this. They thought Barabbas would be a better Messiah than Jesus. They thought, man, he's the liberator. Yeah, he committed murder, but he did it in the name of our freedom and our liberty and our religion. In our church. And they chose Barabbas. They chose him and they crowned him. And as a revolutionary, he was trying to defeat Rome. And they said, hey, he's the popular fella. He's the powerful fella. He's the folk hero of our day. Let him go. Crucify this other one. The crowd that day did not care about Jesus. They wanted Barabbas as their Messiah. The crowd rejected Jesus because of one thing. 
unbelief. No room for Jesus. History says that Bar uh, Barabbas' full name was Jesus Barabbas. B-A-R capital A-B-B-A-S. The name means Jesus, the son of fathers. And on that day, the crowd chose between Jesus, the son of fathers, and said Jesus, the son of God. Had they been acting by faith, they'd have chose Jesus. They were blinded by their unbelief. There's only one sin that will send you to hell, and that's the sin of unbelief. And folks, listen, and be careful about this. The majority's not always right. The majority rejected Jesus. The majority condemned him to death. The majority stood against him, and the majority was wrong, and the majority is still wrong, and they're still against Jesus. The world as a whole rejects Jesus. We live in a post-Christian era. If it's fun, do it. For the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh is there, do it, the world says. They have little room for Jesus. It ignores the changed lives of the redeemed, your testimony. And folks, it ignores God's free offer of salvation. The lost multitude chooses sin over God and the Savior. The lost multitude chooses hell and paradise for right now. Eat, drink, and be merry now. I'm not getting on the ark of salvation. And friend, they choose sin rather than the Savior. Hell rather than heaven. The Bible says wide is the gate of destruction, but narrow is the path unto salvation. And few there be that find it. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. This refusal is what condemns lost sinners. Refusal to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I want to close with reading John 3.16, John 3.18, and John 3.36. Would you turn there with me? I know you know it, but it's good for you to look at it once in a while. John 3.17. John 3.17. John 3.16, 17 and 18. The Bible says in John 3. 15, for whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have ever eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now listen to this, verse 17, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Going down to verse 36, please. You got your Bible? Look at verse 36. And it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. You can go against the grain if you want to and trust Jesus. You can receive Jesus and be saved and miss hell. You can follow the crowd or you can and jump off the cliff to hell or you can follow Christ and have the abundant life. You can be saved if you have the courage to be different. And now that you're saved, you ought to be a witness. You ought to be in the crowd that says crucified. You ought to be in the crowd that bows before his feet and said, Lord, you're the crucified one. 
you gave your life for me. Three days later, you arose from the dead to receive it all. Forty days later, you ascended to heaven. It's witnessed by over 500 people that you're alive, that you arose from the dead. And we ought in these last days not stand back in the crowd and mock and ridicule and spit on him with our indifference and our sin and our selfishness, but to come to the throne, bow before him, Say, dear God, I believe. Dear God, I stand. Dear Lord, I stand alone if I have to, but I stand by the blood, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. The Jews rejected him. Pilate rejected him. The people rejected him. Will you reject him? You turn your back on him because it's easier to live for the world. It might be for a season, but one day it'll be payday someday. And I'm going to tell you this, friend. You might laugh now, but you won't laugh later. You might go sleep right now and not listen to this message, but one day you're going to stand before the mighty God. And you're going to face him. And the only thing that you'll stand upon is the death, the burial, the only name under heaven that will get you into heaven is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. The only passport to heaven. My passport's expired. My wife's all excited about it. Get it, get, uh, get it renewed. You got, we got to go. I said, okay, we'll, I'll do it in a little while. But I want to tell you something. My passport is not of the United States of America. When I take my last breath, whether it's a day or next week or next year, or I hope 10 years from now, Maybe 20, praise God. My passport's going to be Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. And Lord, as I look at this lonely trial, and I look at this stinking, liberal, money-hungry, liberal politician putting him on the cross, I say, God help us. God help us. But I see his own people taking him to the politician to put him on the cross. And then when I see the general population rail upon him and spit upon him and reject him, Lord, I want to go out and tell somebody that you are the Son of God. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, how many would say, Preacher, I know for sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I know for sure because I've trusted him and he's changed my life. You slip your hand up as a happy testimony of that. I'm glad you belong to him. Yes. Amen. You know what? I'm just glad I'm on the winning side. I thought my little old team was going to lose last night. I was getting all upset about it. Oh, God. What? Catholics are going to beat us. Good night. Wait a minute. No, that ain't nothing but a game. Amen. That's nothing but a game. That's just nothing but entertainment. Praise God. I'm going to tell you something. What really counts is are you on the winning side with Jesus? Are you, die, are, you, are you going to go to heaven? And before you go to heaven, are you going to take a stand and be courageous? He stood for you. Why shouldn't you stand for him? Several could not raise your hand and you say, Preacher, I thought religion was it. I thought being good enough was it. No, 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 no. If, if that is the truth, why did he have to go through all this hell for you? If that is the truth, why did he have to go to Calvary for you? 
No, the only way is His blood. And you say, Preacher, I've never received that. So I want you to pray for me that I'll be saved before it's too late. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer right now? Now listen, be careful. You could be religious and lost. You could be a member of this church and lost. You better examine your heart. Anyone? Say, Preacher, please pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Amy said, Preacher, I know I'm saved, but I want to be more sanctified. I want, to be a, I want to be a stronger witness in these last days. I don't want to be brass. I want to be rude. I just want to be, I just want to be faithful. And I want to stand for God, and I don't want to back down the corner and bow down to all these liberals that saying you can't proclaim God in these last days. I don't want to be that crowd. I want to identify with the saved by the blood of the Lamb. I want to identify with the soldiers of the cross. I want my life to be a testimony that Christ is real to my children and to my surrounding neighbors and my workmates. And I just want to be more faithful in these last days to be a witness. For Jesus stood for me, I want to stand for him. Is that your prayer this morning? Would you raise your hand high for prayer all over this place? Father, this, this, uh, this message has got me under conviction about my cowardness about sometimes how I back down when I should be witnessing. And Lord, I pray that you give me more holy boldness. God, I belong to you. I don't belong to myself. I'm not living for my pride. I'm not running for office. God, I just want, I don't want to be faithful to stand in the gap in these very last days as your faithful witness. And Lord, I just want to say this from my heart. I appreciate you standing for me. I appreciate you taking the spit and the beating and the scourging that Pilate put you through because he thought for sure the people would release you then. The humiliation, the pain, the agony. I want to thank you. And I want to thank you, dear God, for taking my hell at that cross and my sin debt and paying it. God, I know the way to thank you, and that's live it and not just talk it. So Lord, help us. Help everyone that raised their hand. Be a faithful witness in these last days. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name.